Hello from Cyberry and Delinea, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cyberry podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cyberry.it. From all of us at Cyberry and Delinea, thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 401 Access Denied podcast brought to you by both Cybery and Delinea. I'm the host for the episode, Joe Carson, Chief Security Scientist and Advisory CISO. And it's a pleasure to have you listen to today's episode. And I'm really excited because we've got another fantastic guest welcoming back again. And I'm joined by the amazing Dan Lorman. Um, so, Dan, welcome back to the uh, episode and podcast again. Um, it's so exciting. Um, if you want to give the audience just a little bit of an introduction about who you are, what you do, and uh, some of the exciting things you're doing in the industry. Yeah, thanks so much, Joe. It's always great to be on your show and really, really excited about this conversation today. Uh, again, Dan Lorman, I am a field CISO with Presidio Corporation, um, more than 30 years in the security industry. And I've, I've um, you know, started my career at the National Security Agency. I was in England with Lockheed and Mantec in the 90s and then 17 years in Michigan government. So in Michigan, uh, I was an agency CIO, then I was first state CISO from all 50 states actually, but first state CISO in Michigan um, and became became CTO in Michigan and then CSO. So we moved to a physical cybersecurity merger in Michigan that we did in 2011 to 2014. And I led that effort and did a lot of great work in Michigan. Our, t- our team did a lot of great work. Um, and then I worked, moved the security mentor, was there for a few years. Now I'm with Presidio and we, we're a worldwide um, cybersecurity um, solutions provider. We actually get involved in all aspects of technology. So digital transformation, other things. Um, but, you know, obviously I focus on the cybersecurity practice and work with CISOs all over the U.S. and even all over the world um, solving cybersecurity problems. And just love this topic of predictions every year, uh, as you and I were just chatting about. I, every year I do a uh, security predictions roundup, not my predictions, but what is the industry saying, the top reports from around the world. And we're going to put that in the, in the notes. Um, so encourage people to go out there and see that. And we're going to talk about, you know, what what you know what happened in 22 and what's going to happen in 23. Absolutely. And this is what for me, it's always the thing. Sometimes we have to look back and just see what things were trending, what was significant um, what was happening, what major incidents may have occurred. And it's always a good indicator just to see kind of, you know, how we're doing. It's almost like a measurement. And I love when you put when you put the report together and you put that kind of basically the, the blog and all the details, it's fantastic. It's really good to kind of, it's for me, it's that consolidated perspective and all the trends and, and what people are thinking alike. And sometimes there's even the ones out there that are a bit, bit stretched, you know, the, really the future predictions, but it's always good to get that perspective. I think it's always good to kind of sometimes get the ones that's uh, that's a bit you know out there in their own, but uh, sometimes it, you know might be getting closer to reality. Uh, so it's great to have you back on. I'm really excited about the conversation today, um, and so definitely all the great work you're doing around the, the year even predictions. Um, just for this year, is there anything significant that stood out? Any any of the kind of trends in 2022 that was something significant that may have changed the future direction that we're going? Um, that may have been something that we have, you know, starting to, you know, new threats that occurred. Um, what, what specifically stood out in 2022 for you? 
Yeah, so I put together just last week a blog, and we'll, we'll link to this as well, um, a, a cyber review every year before I put out the prediction report. And so my headline this year was the year the Ukraine war shocked the yeah. world. And um, and so I think the Ukraine war um, played into so many aspects of cybersecurity uh, globally and even the United States. And I think um, kind of the good, the bad and the ugly, but I just kind of highlighting, I went back and looked at all the different pieces that we've done um, and and looked at, you know, all the different aspects mm-hmm. of that and, and the attacks. I mean, I think there's so many aspects that we could talk about, but, you know, not just the preparation, uh, you know, things that did and didn't happen. I mean, on the good side, you know, we some people were saying, you know, Russia would retaliate against the United States and you know, we might see, you know, a nationwide blackout or, you know, really critical infrastructure being hit. And, and some of that did happen. We'll talk about that. There yeah. was some minor you know, I'd say minor, certainly nothing like the Colonial Pipeline in this mm-hmm. year, but there were there were certainly some in critical infrastructure uh, attacks that, that happened, but nothing that was people would put on the radar as being like, you know, Russia retaliated mm-hmm. against the United States in cyberspace. But there were a lot of attacks, that, you know, um, you know, it, it played out in a, in a wide variety of ways. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we saw that in March in, when CISA came out with what we call the Shields Up campaign. Yeah. Yep. And you can go to CISA Shields Up. I think we've talked about that in the past and some mm-hmm. great tips for organizations on how to protect yourself. If you haven't been to that website, go to the CISA Shields Up website, but kind of talking about those threats. But, you know, a lot of fear around that mm-hmm. and a lot of attacks, um, I think, you know, that led to, I'll just mention a couple of the things that, you know, happened, the reporting mandates that came out mm-hmm. in the spring, that I think there's a lot of trepidation in, in Congress, you know, the Republicans didn't really believe in necessarily having those reporting mandates. But when the Ukraine war happened, all of a sudden it passed with almost unanimous, you know, those yep. reporting mandates um, in the banking sector. And I think, you know, it's going to be going into lots of other sectors are mm-hmm. starting to see those as well. So I think that is a big trend. Um I think we, you know, we have in July 22, I wrote a piece called uh, Attacks Against Critical Infrastructure Are Quietly Increasing. So while we didn't have any major attacks, we did have a lot of, of, of you know, different types of attacks that, that hit um, some critical infrastructure in the U.S. and around the world. Um, hacktivism, DDoS was a trend. Again, I think you could talk about, you know, record numbers, the surges, 500 percent increase. I think uh, we said between. You know, in the summertime frame and, and over certain months earlier this year, um, not I'd love to hear your thoughts, Joe, whether that's continuing now. But a lot of people attributed that to, to the Ukraine war, Russia, Ukraine, NATO countries hit with unprecedented mm-hmm. cyber attacks. So when Mont- Montenegro got hit, Estonia got hit, um, na- you know, several countries that applied for NATO membership like Finland were hit. Yeah. So you started seeing these, you know, NATO attacks. Um you know, I think, and we can say lots more, but I think Ukraine, what happened in Ukraine clearly was the number one story and, and the spinoff mm-hmm. from that. And I think that's going to play big into the world view of cybersecurity as we head into 2023. Absolutely. I completely agree. One of the predictions I had for, for, for from last year to this year was actually around the cyber war. I think it was a little bit off because I don't think in, in 20, I don't think we actually, we, of course, we have the war. But I don't think it was a cyber. I think there were cyber elements to it. Absolutely. I think I classified it much more. When I when I look back in this year, I think it was much more of an information war that it was all about basically trying to, you know, the truth and trying to, there's a lot of disinformation campaigns. There was a lot of uh, disinformation. Um, so it was a battle of truth. I think this year was, was that information was basically at war. 
and therefore is really trying to determine. I think one of the challenges when I look back, and I think some of the significant things is about how the social media bubbles determines what you see. And I actually got to the point where this year I started realizing that when I look at the algorithms, when you have you know a lot of the social media platforms and you create your personalization profile, it starts to really just show you the things that you're interested in. Yeah. Uh, and it just reinforces your beliefs. And this really means that for me, I think social media platforms are starting and, and, and the, those you know AI algorithms that's basically within these platforms are really starting to influence our, our education more than traditional education. Um, yeah. Our social media is starting to influence basically our uh, ide- ideology and so how you learn and what you see to really kind of reinforce. So for me, I think that information wars and the disinformation campaigns and how those algorithms play to your beliefs. I think for me, that was a bit, I started to get a bit shocking about basically where the social media platforms are really determining you're basically, you know, um, your mindsets, you know, how you, how you see things. And rather than get, you know, we're, we're, we, when we are in person, um, we might have different beliefs, but we have debates and we have discussions around them. But social media doesn't allow for that to happen. Social media isolates you in these bubbles and it really kind of stops you from seeing and having those debates. Um, and for me, it was a bit of a, an area. And absolutely, for I think one of the, the noticeable things I've seen this year as well was the, a bit of a drop in ransomware yeah. than we've seen in previous years. I think that was a notable decline. When I think about um, the drop in ransomware, it's not to say actually the ransomware financial demand, you know, uh, costs were still quite high and, and increased. So what the ransomware gangs are asking for, and I think it's also a bit on the decline of cryptocurrency valuation as well, has also influenced what the ransomware gangs are asking in regards to the, the, the actual ransom itself. So I have seen, I think it's mostly a lot of that's to do again with the Ukraine war, where a lot of the ransomware gangs and criminal gangs operate out of certain countries which are under sanctions right now. And uh, therefore, you know, being able to uh, operate, they've been, I guess, distracted into other operations um, rather than ransomware. So I think ransomware has been declined this year, but it's still something that we need to keep the eye on because, the mo- of course, the moment you take your eye off ransomware, <laughs> it comes back with a much more devastating blow with new variants that you know bypass um, a lot of those controls. Um, hacktivism, absolutely. I think uh, one of the things you notice is that people taking it into their own hands and when they see uh, or, or read something that they don't agree with, whether it being, you know, uh, uh, Finland and uh, Sweden deciding to join NATO, um, then of course, you know, a lot of hacktivism and, and mercenaries taking things in. So I think I don't think the a lot of the major attacks this year have been from state actors, but probably more from independent uh, mercenaries. You're just going and doing things on their own. Um, so absolutely, there's a lot. Uh, I'm trying to remember which country had the major attack this year. I think it was was it Costa Rica. The country was actually taken out uh, yeah. uh, from a ransomware. I think it was the. Um, I'm trying to remember which which gang it was. I'm just looking up here. Uh, was it the Revil gang? Um, I'm trying to remember. So uh, Costa Rica had the ransomware attack this year and actually took out a lot of the government. Uh, yeah. um, was it? Uh, it was Conti. Yeah, Conti ransomware group. Yeah. So for me, that I think that was a big notable attack was the uh, Costa Rican one uh, because r- literally their pension schemes and how they pay and do all the financial things were actually um, completely taken out and, and under ransom. So from a, a, a government, an entire country to be under a ransomware attack, I think that was also significant to see how that played out as well. So. And this is, in, in that attack itself, I just uh, I, I mentioned that in the, in my piece, um, and you know the the 
$30 million each day that that attack continued. So that was a huge, huge mm-hmm. impact that, that, that hit. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was a big one. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I think for me, those are some of the noticeable things this year. Um, I think, you know, also cyber fatigue is also increasing. Um, what's happened is you've seen, you know, I think, you know, organizations have really taken new steps to try and let's say, um, you know, put new controls in place, whether it being multi-factor authentication or 2FA in order to mitigate attacks. But what I've seen happen as well is the attackers look for ways around those. And what this year I've seen is the, the rise of so, social engineering has came, has came. It's been around for a long time. It's been increasing. Social engineering has been something that's always been in the toolbox for attackers. But I think this year they really started to take it on as a forefront. And uh, we started seeing a lot of organizations who have MFA in place, but attackers using social media, uh, or not social media, but social engineering to abuse cyber fatigue. And just look for ways for people just to click yes and, and, and bypass a lot of those MFA. So I think we've realized that this year that MFA is not 100% protection, that it does actually, you know, it does have a lot of good security controls. But you also, in addition to MFA, you really had to think about uh, security awareness training as well, good practice and hygiene. You can't do these things alone without making sure you complement it with other types of security controls as well. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, uh, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I, I think I would say a couple things. I would put one or two caveats around ransomware. I do think the numbers were down overall. Um, I do think there were some really notable big hits that still got some attention, especially around hospitals. I mean, the increase, yeah. the number of hospitals hit, uh, the ransom demand in Paris, uh, $10 million ransom demand. And they had one recently that was uh, a couple months later where they literally had to shut down a hospital and they were moving patients to another hospital. And when those kinds of things happen um, mm-hmm. or, you know, other major, you know, whole health systems getting hit yeah. are huge deals. And, um, you know, I, I think that the two top ones that were listed by one security magazine uh, article that I referenced, I'll just mention these two big mm-hmm. breaches, uh, one in Australia, Metabank, yeah. Um, which was uh, 90, 9.7 million um, data belonging to 9.7 million citizens, uh, customers, past and present, mm-hmm. including 1.8 million international customers were um, accessed. I mean, that's big numbers. And then, and then uh, mm-hmm. the LA um, school district, unified school mm-hmm. district in, in Los Angeles, uh, 500 gigabytes of information stolen. Um, second largest school district failed to pay an unspecified ransom on October 4th. And there's lots and lots of, of data, social security numbers, tax forms, legal documents, financial reports, et cetera, that was stolen. I mean, there, there were still a lot of big yeah. stories out there. So, yeah. so while, while the numbers overall may be down, I mean, 21 was a huge year for ransomware. Um, I still think there were a lot of notable attacks that, that, that did get people's attention. Nothing that rose to the level of the Colonial Pipeline, maybe, or some of the things we saw in 21. Yeah. But um, I, you know, obviously, I think Ukraine did kind of suck the wind out of the room in, in many ways. But there's certainly a lot of, of, of big attacks that did yeah. happen this year. And we're starting to learn also the cost of some of those attacks that happened in 2021 as well. You know, we look at the Irish Health Services, um, which was also under the country attack as well, that, you know, the, the cost of that has been excess of 80 million euros. Yeah. Which, you know, it shows you that this is, you know, for... Um, a lot of organizations and businesses and countries, it is devastating. And, and it does ultimately, you know, those ones comes out of taxpayers' money that ultimately have to, to, to fund those and to recover. So it is quite significant. 
Um, one of the things also, I just kind of get your also thoughts around this year. I I got really concerned. I think for me, probably the biggest one that I'm really concerned around is the advancements of deep fakes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been around for some time. We've seen kind of different elements of it. You know, we've seen uh, where you can, you know, uh, replace faces and audio. But I think this year, I think it really got to the point where you could look at a deep fake video from a real video side by side and you can't tell the difference. We, we humans are getting to the point where the quality of deep fakes is so good that by your eye and your ears, you cannot tell the difference. You actually need some type of technology to go and look at the bits to see if there's some type of basically uh, algorithm being used there to, to modify it. We can actually start looking at the, the bits and bytes itself. Uh, but for me, the advancement of deep fakes is getting to the really point where you can look at a video and it just looks like the real person speaking you know, exactly how they would um, and manipulating that. What, what's your thoughts around deep fakes from a, a trend this year? Yeah, I totally agree. And that shows up in several of these reports, too. And, and several vendors are talking about, I think, you know, when, when, when we when we see um, a presidential campaign and, you know, a candidate or, or maybe a senatorial campaign, obviously, this last year, we didn't have a president, presidential campaign. But we see, um, you know, political campaigns or, 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 or very public figures, you know, being misrepresented. It's like, you know, did Justin Bieber really say that or did that senator really say that? You know, then quickly, uh, you know, know, something can come out in the press saying, you know, this was a deep fake. That's one thing. But I think what what people are starting to say, so I'm I'm totally in agreeing with you. What what some people are now predicting as we head into 23 is that this is going to become more and more targeted. So it's going to, you know, that, that, that now, you know, that, you know, my friends or your friends or, you know, people at, you know, your local, you know, Rotary Club or whatever, you know, they now fake something. And those people don't expect the local paper or the media or the national press to say this is fake. So now it's getting really personalized. It's getting more focused. It's getting more, you know, we could see that on a widespread um, level of trust level. So I do think, yes, they got more sophisticated in, in, in 22. I think as we get to 23, we'll see over the next year or two. One thing I also say with predictions as we go into this report is it's less important whether something happens this year than is it a trend? Is it a direction that we're mm-hmm. heading? You know, you know, will someone, you know, what prediction a few years ago, you know, people will die because of a cyber attack or, you know, whether it happened that year or whether it happens the year, you know, January of the year after. I mean, clearly, if, if, if multiple different people are seeing this and the potential is there, it's likely to happen. So I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. I think deep fakes, not only is it scary, it's becoming more widespread. It's becoming cheaper. It doesn't cost millions of dollars to create some super fantastic video that's fake um, that, you know, somebody might use in a presidential campaign or something. That's one level. But now it's getting down to where anybody can get these tools and, and do it. Mm-hmm. And it's getting cheaper and cheaper to do quality deep fakes. Absolutely. That's one thing. It's, it's just becoming accessible for everybody to go and yep. do, you know, and, and simply – um, I think one of my predictions for 2023 is is around that the advancements of defakes will get to the point where it's not just about stealing your account or stealing your identity to an account or your credentials. Yeah. I see that defakes has the potential, you know, with, with somebody pointing it to your social media profile, they could simply steal you. You're, they yeah. could become a digital version of you, uh, you know, to, to all of your online content. And, and if we don't put in the things today in order to make sure that we're context aware, that we know the original source, we know that there's enough you know solutions out there that can actually flag deepfakes quickly. 
that it has a potential of major things like, you know, as you, you know, once it gets in the media um, and then it gets to the point where you could say any video that was created in the past is a deep fake. And so yeah. it becomes also deniability as well. That it means that you have a, a good reason for actually denying any type of video, even if it may be real, something real that you did, that there's a deniability as well. So it gives people that, you know, say things that can have an easy way out. So for me, I think this is a real, a, a big area of concern. I think it's a big area that we really need definitely a lot of emphasis and focus around how do we do it with, you know, is there regulate does it need regulation? Does it need some type of, uh, you know, uh, responsibility that we need need to all come together with, you know, some standards or government corporations. Uh, for me, I think this is up there with, you know, the potentials of AI. Um, deepfakes is is in that realm. Um, so, and that kind of brings me, uh, one of the interesting ones, of course, is recent times has been ChatGBT, uh, which yeah. has also been an interesting one. <laughs> I've, I've seen some interesting peers of mine um, playing around uh, in interesting ways. And and it can yeah. also become you know get to the point where it, it can actually you know help you identify how how to hack <laughs> in the best yeah. ways as well. So um, it's been interesting seeing some of the interesting conversations. Uh, so for me, you know, of course, it is using things like uh, natural language learning abilities and uh, machine learning, and you know, using all those algorithms. Uh, but that's another area where you get to the point where that are you talking to a real person? Or are you talking to a bot? Well, you're right. And, and I think, you know, if we want to dive into some of the predictions, I, I just want to say, as I mentioned earlier in the in the uh, in, in the um, broadcast that, you know, these are not some of the ones I want to highlight are ones that as we look at 23, mm -hmm. um, they're really they're really, you know, what the industry leading players are saying. And a lot of research and money goes into these reports. So it's not just like somebody sticking their hand in the air and saying, I think it's going to snow. I mean, there really are detailed research and connecting the dots in these forecasts. Mm -hmm. I'll just mention right off the top, the top three reports that I had this year. Um, and, and I have a methodology for this. We can talk about that if you want to go there, Joe. But Trend Micro, again, mm -hmm. top-notch report. Um, detailed report with, and one of the things they do, you know, literally, it's a, over 100 references. Mm -hmm. So you can dig into the detail. How did they come to this conclusion? Why do they say this is going to happen? And then, you know, go read three, four, five reports backing mm -hmm. up. And then, you know, they, you know, they really do have, you know, statistics to back a lot of this up. So they, they I'll just list a couple of the things that they're talking about. Um, but then we have uh, Trend Micro, WatchGuard is number two, great report, and Kaspersky, Kaspersky, which I know is Russian. Um, <laughs> they do, but they, I'll tell you, they do a great job around the world. Yeah. They have a good, great research arm. And I have Absolutely. to tell you, um, they have a lot of really good material that, that, that was well-researched. And I always hesitate. People look at me, and I always get a little feedback from, you know, why is Kaspersky in the top five? But, you know, it's good. It's good material. It's a good read, uh, whether you agree with everything or not, or they come from a different point of view. I like to get different points of view on different things. So but Absolutely. back to Trend Micro, just a few of the items. Um, shape shifting ransomware business models will become a bigger avenue for mm -hmm. data theft and blackmail. And some of these I'm just going to run off these predictions. Yep. Um, there's detail pages of details. And what do they mean by that? And how does that work? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I encourage people to go to the reports and read it. Um, inconsistent applications of cloud technology were heard enterprises adoption of new tools increase. Mm -hmm. So again, cloud, cloud hacks, a lot of messages, yep. a lot of themes around cloud, people moving data to the cloud, um, you know, 
we all keep hearing this, but cloud, you know, people process technology and cloud misconfigured cloud mm-hmm. services, people putting things in the clouds. Well, you know, it's with Google, it's with Microsoft, it's with Amazon. It must be safe. Well, maybe, you know, then they do have great services and I'm not knocking them, but it does come down to how you configure things and, and what you do as a, as, a, as a company to protect that data. Um, the enterprise perimeter will expand into the home. We heard that a lot, you know, during, um, you know, quite frankly, during COVID. So that's not a, a whole lot new. Some of these have, you know, have been trends we've seen for a couple of years. You mm-hmm. mentioned social engineering, um, yeah. totally a big thing. Social engineering is an evergreen threat. BEC, which is business email, email compromise, and deep fakes mm-hmm. will take new forms. Exactly what you're saying. That was one of theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, I'll give you four more here real quick from uh, Trend. You can give me some feedback. We'll go through a couple more of these. Sure. But the hype surrounding digital novelties like NFTs and Metaverse will keep waning. But the blockchain technology on which they are built is going to be where the real action is. Yeah. So that's a really interesting one to read about. What do they mean by that? Um, you know, even if NFTs and Metaverse don't become big this year or 23, you know, what about blockchain and how is that going to be attacked? Attackers will further capitalize on vulnerabilities and intrude through overlooked attack surfaces like open source software. So, again, mm-hmm. that whole lifecycle support, open chain. software, big one. Two mm-hmm. more. Industrial entities will top off their tech stack but struggle to keep up with staff shortages and vertical regulations. So, again, the whole ta- uh, talent issue, mm-hmm. how that plays into the recession, if we have a worldwide recession, what does that look like with pay and tech and talent? A lot of a lot of talk about that. And then last one here, enterprises will veer away from point solution approaches and go to more platforms, um, mm-hmm. less um, vertical. You know, I need a, the, the best product, but I it's getting too complex. And I'm hearing that a yep. lot. CISOs, you know, if they have 40 tools, they want to get to 20. If they have 80 tools, they want to get to 40. People want to right size their tool set. So those are just yeah. the top eight with Trend Micro, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on those, Joe. Oh, absolutely. I think for, for me, it's it's very enlightening because they're all, you know, absolutely, I completely agree with all of them. Um, every single one of them is spot on. Uh, we might have different terminologies. I think, you know, for me, absolutely, you know, the the uh, remote working side, you know, the, the, the perimeter of organizations is extending into the home. That's one of the things I, I've said, uh, one of my uh, kind of mentions is that, the you know people's homes are becoming an extension of the office, and actually referring to it, we've now we went from bring your own device to bring your own office. Employees' yeah. offices um, or home offices is almost like a mini cloud of of the organization's extension. Um, so for me, absolutely, I think that's going to be where you know people's homes you know are going to be basically mini micro offices and micro clouds, um, an extension of the workplace. And it means that how we manage you know the 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 old traditional way is going to have to evolve. Because we can't expect organizations to manage your home network. It's not going to happen. Um, they're not going to be able to secure it. So there has to be different ways of where that security starts and stops. Um, absolutely, the workforce, I think that's a real big one um, to the point where the talent, how do we get new talent? Because I think we've been actually losing a lot of talent. I've seen, yeah. um, is, even when I've worked in a lot of instances over the years, I've seen people leaving, leave, not even just leaving the company from burnout, uh, and mental health, but actually leaving the industry and choosing other career paths. Yeah. And we really need to start thinking about how we can attract more people to get into the industry. How can we make it fun again? I think one of the things I'd like to see is how we can bring the enjoy back into the security industry. Um, because I think it's been too too much fear and FUD for the past couple of years. And we need to show how we can entertain. And for me, I think um, I've seen hacking gamification 
being a big adoption there to get new talent, as well as also making you know some of it enjoyable and fun. I'll just jump in yeah. on that. One of the things that what, I think it was Deloitte, but it may have been another, another company that did an interesting prediction around talent. And they they basically said, uh, and like I said, that may not be Deloitte, but it was a really interesting prediction. I saw um, that companies will go away from certifications and skill sets and go more toward just hiring talent, period. Um, to, to, to fill cybersecurity roles. And the, and the philosophy is, well, how will they know what to do? Well, I mean, the idea of you know, managing vendors, man, you know, working as teams, working with others, bringing in the best and brightest, even if they don't have maybe the, the, the experience or the certifications or maybe even the college degree in the right field, you know, maybe they're not a computer security expert, but um, that, they, they're, they're predicting that that's going to be one of the solutions. Absolutely. I think completely when the talent side of things is going to be that you might be specialized in a certain area, but you might be managing those relationships uh, from vendors and vendors will be moving more to managed service providers or MSSPs where yep. you're basically managing that side of things. So it becomes more you're managing the relationship and the expertise will retain in the vendor and basically you'll be just basically pulling them in when you need them. Um, so I, that's a, I completely agree. That's one of the definitely ways forward. And also we'll expand one of the things that, you know, to, to deal with social engineering um, is abusing people's trust. So we have to make sure that we have good cybersecurity awareness training programs that actually is about how we make sure that people can identify those. Um, so it's all about how we can communicate to people. And I also think that one of the lacking areas of uh, talent in our industry is uh, therapy and, and psychology. Um, yeah. And for me, I think it's really about, you know, how do we make sure we we have the necessary, you know, support from the with the team as well to make sure that we have all of the necessary kind of resources to make sure we're, we're focusing in the right areas. Um, one of the other things that one one thing that was probably missing, I think that we haven't covered, is Ryan. Also, the cyber insurance. I yeah, think that, that's, I was gonna, I was actually going to bring that up because um, let me let me um, let me quickly go sure. through the six for WatchGuard, the second list, real quick, and then get your sure. response. And I know we have to wrap up here in a few moments, but um, I always like WatchGuard every year. They're a smaller company, but they they do a really creative job with a lot of their YouTube videos. They're a lot of fun. Uh, but they've got their top six. Let me just read those, and they lead off with insurance. A lot of, lot of, there's a lot of them that actually talk about cyber insurance. A lot of prediction reports talk about this. This one's saying insurers verticalize their already increased security requirements. I've seen a number of other ones that talk about. One, one says an insurer will buy a uh, MDR company, or they will start yep. taking over doing managed services themselves, and uh, insurers will merge with managed solutions because they want to get that inside insight of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that's an interesting. We'll see if that happens or not. But some, several people predicted that mm -hmm. cybersecurity evaluation and validation becomes a top factor in selecting vendors and partners. Um, the first big metaverse hack affects a business. <laughs> through new productivity use cases. That's an interesting That's one. That's an interesting one. <laughs> it was, yeah, definitely interesting. And, and I think another one here, um, MFA, there's a lot about MFA. You mentioned MFA earlier, a lot about MFA. And you said so many people are moving to MFA, multi-factor authentication, um, that you know that a lot of the bad guys are going after ways to get around that. So MFA yeah. adoption fuels surge in social engineering, yeah. which again, you mentioned that earlier. A novel robo-taxi hack will result in a dazed and confused AI car. There's a fun one for you. Um, so, you know, somebody's going to hack your car and drive it into a tree. Um, AI coding tools introduce basic vulnerabilities into new developers' projects. So those are their top six. 
I'll stop and let you respond. But there's really, a lot really about it, a lot about MFA. Yeah, really interesting. Absolutely. The MFA, for sure, social engineering, all of that. Um, the insurance one, absolutely. Uh, interesting about the consolidation between MDR, EDR, MDR, and uh, um, the cyber insurance industry. Yeah, because that's one thing I, um, I, I think my, my worry is that cyber insurance companies, um, they're really looking how to evolve and make sure they reduce their exposure because they have a big exposure into a lot of attacks. And they've been increasing their prices. They've been putting hard limitations in place in regards to what you get payouts and so forth, when, depending on the type of attack. Um, my worry is that when I look at, you know, some organizations are looking to cyber insurance companies as an alternative to, to the oh. risk. And that gets that's, that concerns me is that, you know, here's the financial safety net. Is, is it you do good cybersecurity or you get cyber insurance? And I'm hoping that organizations are not making it, you know, an, you know, an or decision that I'm, I'm choosing either or. Uh, because ultimately it should be both. The cyber insurance company should be requiring you to do good, to do good security, uh, but that's not always the case. They're not always evaluating that. So having that combination of you know uh, uh, EDRs and XDRs and MDRs all together with the cyber insurance company absolutely makes sense to me. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if that one goes. The the metaverse side of things, that, <laughs> the meta meta side, uh, that's an interesting one. That uh, I always for me. Um, not a 2023 prediction, but more of a long-term prediction is definitely we will start seeing much more of VR and augmented reality. And I do see those types of attacks evolving in the future where you'll have people, I've seen, you know, using augmented reality and VR to do basically pipeline checks where they're actually flying a drone. They're in their, you know, they're in their, uh, their the cockpit flying that drone. They're checking it for leaks. They're checking it for maintenance and doing repairs. Um, and that's an augmented reality side where they're looking through the lens of that drone. Uh, for me, you know, that's probably an area, not 2023, but beyond a bit. Um, but going into the metaverse, though, that'll be interesting. We, I've seen a lot of discussions um, around things like stealing your virtual home <laughs> and your virtual money um, in the metaverse. You know, that you may have built a house, you may have had all of this land and whatever it is, um, and, you know, people stealing it in the metaverse. So, uh, so crime going, how, how do you, how do you, I think one of the things we had Philip Amman on from Europeful, and we were talking before about how, how does a criminal investigation go from yeah, the yeah. law enforcement into, you know, I've had my virtual house stolen. <laughs> how does you need, the investigation you need, you need an, avatar, an avatar cyber expert, you know, my family's <laughs> going to see avatar, uh, you know, you, you, need, you need an avatar cyber expert to go in there and, and do the investigation, <laughs> I guess. I mean, it'll be fun to see how that happens. Virtual cops, um, is that, we're going to have virtual police yeah. officers and law enforcement. <laughs> so, Something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I know we don't have any more time than really we're out of time, but I, I you know, I, I do like, I do like some of the Kaspersky ones and the whole list is great. I encourage you to go read it, but you know, they talk about the next one to cry. They talk mm -hmm. about um, mail servers becoming priority targets. Um, interesting ones. A lot about space. There were a lot of predictions about space last mm -hmm. year. Yeah. Um, you know, space getting hit. There's actually some headlines recently about the U.S. space program maybe getting hacked. And and um, so how much of that is real or not? I mean, I think there's different arguments out there right now. But there's talk about that. There's a lot about mm -hmm. um, hacking drones, hacking yep. Uh, satellites, um, and then this is what is SIGINT delivered malware signals intelligence for those in the NSA community and the three letter agency. That's that's a little spy novel, uh, yeah. uh, you know, kind so of. We have, we have seen for you. We have seen a thing. Um, yeah, we have seen like uh, you know the, the the basically the buildup of of ransomware, you know, being embedded within a spreadsheet, 
and then there's a mathematical algorithm, a macro that will bring it together um, in all of those different f- fields and forms, and to be hidden in form. So there is, I mean, uh, but putting it in sign- signals intelligence, that's pretty. That'd be pretty impressive, especially if it comes from different sources and it accumulates in a central location. That would be interesting um, if that was possible. I've seen, I've seen, you know, data been moved between things like uh, uh, playlists. You know, from a playlist, you might download a playlist from Spotify or, or, or some media or some uh, streaming channel. And in the playlist itself, it's got all of the right like uh, codes and names. And then what you can do is basically, as long as you get something to execute, it can actually build that payload together from the from the playlist data. So there's some interesting aspects, but signal intelligence bringing it together of, you know, that would be pretty impressive if somebody was able to come up with it, make that possible. Uh, quite complex, I would say. But absolutely. I would say so as well. But you know, it's interesting <laughs> that it's coming from Kaspersky. So, you know, I'm not going to say anything more than that. But, you know, I they know something. Anyway. Yeah. So, that has been, it's been fantastic having you on the show. And really, it's really enjoyable talking about a lot of these. And definitely, we'll make sure we'll get for the audience, you know, links to the to the uh, your predictions and review content uh, from the show notes. Um, and uh, really interesting conversation, really. And some of those predictions for me, I'm, I'm going to go back and take a look at some of them because they're, for me, it's, it's, I, I completely agree with a lot of them. Some of them are, I think, a little bit further down, and some we've already seen. I think the space one we've seen for some time. The question comes really into is that, is the motive is that yes i think they've been hacked but do they want to let you know that the you know it's it's something has happened i think those are more stealthy espionage types of attacks that's usually using cyber uh, but really interesting and look really looking forward to reading it and as always it's been a pleasure any final uh, comments you want to let the audience know no just thanks a lot appreciate being on your show and wish everyone a happy holidays absolutely and uh, for everyone you know stay safe enjoy the episodes um, it's been great having Dan on and uh, tune in to the 401 Access Denied podcast every two weeks, bringing new thought leadership, new ideas, and really trying to, to educate you, entertain you, and uh, uh, keep, make, you know, keep making the world a safer place. So thank you. Stay safe and take care. Learn how your team can get a free trial of Cybrary for Business by going to www.cybrary.it slash business. This podcast is also brought to you by Delinea. Dicotic and Centrify are now Delinea, the leader in privileged access management. To learn more, visit delinea.com.